Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about practicing mindfulness. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Aura Nadrich. Aura is a mindfulness expert, international keynote speaker and coach, and the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. She is also the author of Says Who? How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever, and Live True, a Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity which was named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all time. You can learn more about Aura and her books at her website, auranadrich.com, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Welcome, Aura. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Hi, Linda. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am delighted. I had a chance to check out your website and to read some of those glowing testimonials, and I'm so excited to learn from you today. So let's start kind of from the basics. Let's say I have never heard of the concept of mindfulness before. Will you help me understand what that is and why I want it? Absolutely. Well, think of mindfulness as being in the present moment with total awareness. So what does that really mean? Do you know, what does it mean to really show up in the present moment, the moment that we're in right now and say, I am fully here. This moment has my undivided attention I don't want to be in the past because that has come and gone. And I don't want to be in the future because that's not here yet. But where I really want to be is in the present moment right now and be a hundred percent there. Now, if I can do that, I can think of some situations like if I am in a conversation with someone that that's really going to help if I'm listening to someone and I am here rather than thinking about, I got a hundred things to do as soon as this conversation is over and man, last night I had this problem and it's still running through my head. And, and so I can see how that would be, would be helpful in a relationship type of a situation. Would it also be helpful in just for me? Absolutely. And what you just described is really normal because oftentimes when we're having a conversation with somebody, you know, there's a study out of Harvard that says that our mind wanders almost 50% of the time. Oh, only that much? <laughs> well, maybe that's not the most recent study, but it really indicates that where does our mind wander to? Like I said, it's either ruminating or lamenting the past, or it's anticipating the future with a lot of anxiety. The beauty about mindfulness is the more you practice it, the more you're aware, because it heightens your awareness. It makes you more cognizant of when your mind starts to go into other places. So if I'm talking to you and I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner or, oh, why did that happen yesterday? Oh, I could have done that differently. Well, I wish I hadn't said that. What mindfulness does is it, make, it makes you aware that your mind is starting to loop and get out of the moment. And it gently brings you back into the present moment without anybody ever even having to know. Okay. <laughs> you know? It's so I... literally this inner note to self like, oh, there I go. My mind is starting to wander. I'm starting to get distracted. I'm getting out of this moment and I'm going somewhere else and I need a gently reminder. It's almost like those little notifications on your phone. It's like this little like inner reminder that brings you back into the present moment and says, this is where I need to be. That is amazing. And it brings up two little mini points. And one is that when you say uh, becoming aware of it, this means that I can be off somewhere and not even realize it. I can be thinking, no, I am here. I am having a conversation with Aura. But but really, my brain is is elsewhere. 
And I don't even realize it, which is a kind of concerning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it becomes automatic for us. You know, that's what happens just Linda. We're so used to being distracted, especially now more than ever, when we are more on our devices than we ever have before. We're so distracted. We're so bombarded with information overload that it's kind of understandable how we're constantly being pulled out of the moment. But what we need to do and why mindfulness is so important, especially for the times that we're in right now, is it makes us more aware of our susceptibility to being pulled out of the moment. Oh, okay. So we need to be aware that this is happening so that we can control where our mind is going rather than just having it flow away. One of the other things I appreciated when you talked about the idea of mindfulness is becoming aware of when your mind is going elsewhere and gently bringing it back. That indicates to me that it's okay that I'm not perfect and that I'm not a hundred percent right here because I might still go off somewhere, but I can come back. And so I appreciate that, that I, if I, if I'm really good at mindfulness, it doesn't require perfection. And so that makes it feel a little bit more attainable. One of the things I was thinking of very, is- Very nicely said, and that happens to be very true because one of the tenets of mindfulness is being in the present moment with total acceptance, non-judgment, and self-love. You know, mm. So we're more forgiving. We're more accepting of ourselves, our humanness, and we're accepting of others. So it makes you a more mindful person in a lot of areas. So I'm not just here. It's not just about me being present. It's me being present and the way that I show up is is filled with compassion and understanding. So Absolutely. it's not just being here. One of the things I was thinking when you talked about not being in the future and not being in the past is we, we talk sometimes about stress and about, we use the, the analogy of, I have a lot on my plate. And although obviously there isn't an actual plate, everyone just seems to understand that that just means there's a lot going on. And you can just visualize this plate with all of these things that are going through my mind and it's just piled high and overflowing and I'm trying to balance it. But a lot of the things that are on that plate are things from the past and things for the future. And so if we can put on our plate at this moment, only what is happening right now, my plate's not so full. It's not so heavy. It's not quite so hard to balance. And it might look like, oh, well, I can, I can do that. And then we're able to handle our stress better. Have you noticed that as well? Absolutely. And that's a very good analogy because, you know, I have something in uh, one of my books called the something to worry about thoughts. It's in my, my first book says who, how one simple question can change the way you think forever, which is a cognitive method that I created for transforming negative and fear-based thoughts. So it really works very closely with our thoughts and what occupies our mind. And the something to worry about thoughts are really the way in which we fill our plate with a lot of worry, you know, unnecessarily. We really weigh ourselves down literally and metaphorically with, you know, your analogy of, of, of a heavy loaded plate. And when we begin to really recognize that with the mindful awareness that, oh, I have so much on my plate, well, how can I lighten my load? What can help me lighten my load? You know, this again is a mindful awareness of how to do things like lighten your load. Do you know what can I take off my plate that I don't have to focus on right now in the present moment? Do you, it can wait till later or I don't have to problem solve or 
or carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. There's so much that bogs us down. When we have a mindful awareness of what it is, we can put it in its proper place. Ooh, I like that. So let's talk about worry for a minute. I would love to be able to say, okay, here are some specific things that we can do to lighten that load and not to worry so much because that's a common thing that I hear from people is, well, how do I stop worrying? I'm, I'm worried. Well, you know, worry is a natural emotion that we're going to feel depending on what is causing that worry. But what I really underscore in that chapter is that worry begets worry. Do you know, you can replace worry with a more mindful awareness of what you're doing, which is just literally worrying. When sometimes there's things that we can do where we can go into a more meditative state or we can go into prayer, we can go into visualization where we're what the very thing that we're worrying about, we can visualize something positive and something healthy for ourselves or for someone else that we're worrying about. You know, worrying does nothing for us. There's nothing constructive about worrying other than keep us in a heightened state of fight or flight, do you know? So when we have an awareness, and really what's key to know about a mindfulness practice is it really starts to develop the awareness that I'm talking about in all of these areas so that when we're navigating the life journey and things come up for us, we have a mindful awareness of how, how do we deal with it in the moment that we're in right now? Are we overly worrying? unnecessarily. Well, what can we do to take some of that off our plate to use your plate analogy? What can I do to maybe also I have uh, something in that book as well called the release and replace method, which is fantastic. I've taught it in many workshops and in front of very large entrepreneurial groups, which is when a negative thought comes into our mind, how do we replace it with its positive counterpart? Because again, that negative thought is going to do nothing for us. Worrying is going to do nothing for us. It's the way in which we can train our mind to have our thoughts work favorably for us. Is that thought helping me or is it not helping me? And if it's not, I can replace it with a thought that is helping me. I love that. So when people say, how do I stop worrying? I think part of the fear of that is I can't just stop. My mind is going. And here you're suggesting don't don't just try to stop. Our, our mind is a little bit like a stage and it doesn't want to be blank. It doesn't really handle being a vacuum very well. It just sucks in more negativity. But let's replace it with something positive. And as you talked about some of the things that we can replace this worry with, I just love the idea of doing some visualization and thinking of something positive. I've heard it said that sometimes we think that children use their imagination and that when we get to be adults, we stop. And the truth is, Adults use their imagination all the time, but we use it to imagine the worst possible thing that could happen. Oh no, this could go wrong and that could go wrong and the other could go wrong. And we don't realize we're using our imagination to create all these horrible stories going on. And so I love the idea of, okay, let's, if we want to use our imagination, let's use our imagination. Let's use it to think of what could go right. Let's, let's visualize how this story could turn out well, because you know, it, that helps us more than hurting us. And if someone says, well, it's not going to do any good if I imagine things turning out well, well, it's also not going to do any good if you're imagining every single possible way that things could go wrong, right? Right. Well, what you said, Linda, is imagine what could, think of the operative word, could or might happen. Uh-huh. And that's projection into the future, which isn't here yet. So this is, again, very much the point of how we go out of the present and we go into a time frame that doesn't exist yet 
and we really project a lot of worry onto it. So how you bring that into present moment awareness, if you're in a state of worry, you can say to yourself right now, what can I think right now that's going to help support me feeling less worried? What's a thought that I can replace this worried thought with that's going to make me feel less anxious? You know, you bring it into a present context as opposed to this could go wrong and that can go wrong and the what ifs. You know, when you are aware that when you're in that state of mind, you're in a future state of mind. I have something in Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity, my book before Mindfulness and Mysticism, which I break it into three types of people, you know, categories, if you will. Ooh, and I ask, are you a present experiencer? Are you a past dweller? Or are you a future chaser? Do you know? So a lot of people are really stuck in the past and they're dwelling on the, the ruminating of what they wish could have happened differently, or they're constantly chasing the future. Oh, the what ifs and oh, that's going to be better. And if only this and if only that. And then there are people that are the present experiencers that are like, I'm in the present moment. This moment is enough. And I can be not anxious in this moment by just accepting what is. Do you know? Wow. Okay. So let's say I'm, I'm one of those people who's just ruminating in the past. Let's say I've, I've dealt with some trauma and some heartache in my life. So how, how do I move from that place and into being uh, current and present and saying, you know what, this moment, I'm really okay. Right. Well, first of all, I'm not saying to erase the past because I don't want to diminish the importance or the effect that our past experience have had on us. Things like trauma is very important. Where this becomes helpful, Linda, is that we don't want to stay stuck in a time that just gives us tremendous unhappiness, or it brings an unpleasant memory in the past into the present so that we're stuck in that memory and it becomes something very negative for us. What I'd like to do is acknowledge, it's important to acknowledge what we've been through, but to be able to ask ourselves with present moment awareness, am I allowing what has happened to me in the past really impact my present? Is it taking away from the joy of my life? Is it making me more sad? Is it making me depressed? Am I allowing for the events that have happened in my past to really, you know, overshadow the joy of my present or the potential joy of my present? Do you know? So you begin to see how you work with this and, uh, and really learn how to be in the present more productively, more positively, more consciously. Do you know, it becomes a skill set, really, more than anything. Absolutely. So as we're talking about increased awareness and increased awareness, and I think that really is the starting point for any kind of change is to be aware that you're doing it in the first place, you know, um, because what we do just feels so normal and natural. And often we're on autopilot. And I think that's part of what mindfulness is about is to let's, let's give the, not just run on our subconscious. Let's, let's bring our conscious mind into view, into, into this play here and, and start thinking about it. So becoming aware is super helpful. But let's say I, I haven't had a lot of experience in, in doing this right. So I'm, I'm aware that I'm doing it, but I'm having a hard time stopping. Are there some tips that you can help me say, okay, I'm aware now that I'm dwelling in the past. I, I'm aware that it's not serving me, but I can't seem to stop. Do you have some suggestions to kind of help me get back into, into here and now? 
Yes, and that's where the release and replace method really comes in handy because when you have the awareness of something, you have the ability to change your inner dialogue, do you know? And to be doing very constructive self-talk, if you will. It's like saying, I'm aware, I'm aware of the bodily sensation or the emotional feelings that I'm experiencing right now, which is connected to my past or an event that has happened in my past or a trauma. And it's very much with me right now. I can say things to myself that can help really move me out of that state of emotionality and and be able to do something like a self-talk. Example of that would be, hmm, you know, I'm I'm feeling some sadness. You know, let me let me connect to what it is that's making me feel sad right now. Because when you start to develop present moment awareness, you really become aware of what you're thinking. Because I say behind every emotion there's a thought. And a lot of times people feel feelings, but they don't know why. So if let's just say an emotion like sadness, and it's because you're remembering something that happened to you out of your past, you can acknowledge it, you could be with it, but you can also see something yourself like, am I really allowing something that happened to me out of my past affect how I feel in the present? Is it really diminishing the quality of my joy? that I'd really like to experience more of in this moment. You know, you you really start to have conscious self-talk. And if the answer is yes, you can say, okay, what can I do in this moment that can uplift my spirits? Maybe go take a walk, do mindful walking, go out and be in the present, go out and take a beautiful walk, or you become aware of your surroundings. You know, you're not stuck in the past of a memory that might be very unpleasant for you. Do you know, you have to realize that a lot of the things that we've gone through in life, we carry into the present and it becomes counterproductive and even destructive if we let it really diminish the quality of our life in the present. Absolutely. And that's why we have to address these things because they don't just go away. Um, Time doesn't heal all wounds. It just kind of buries them and there's stuff in there until we become aware. And I love how you talk about just acknowledging and then let's, let's release this. And so that's, that's beautiful. And I love that you talked a couple things about one is where you feel it in your body. And you mentioned the idea of going for a walk. And I love bringing in kind of a, a physical action to help to be able to, because sometimes my mind, I can't just talk myself out of things, but having that distraction of going for a walk, it can be very helpful. And I'm sure you've read um, The Body Keeps the Score, uh, Dr. Um, Vandal Kolk, and um, just the idea that these these things become trapped in our bodies. And so moving our bodies and taking a walk can really help to um, address yeah. these issues. And if you can't take a walk, make yourself a nice cup of chamomile tea. If you don't want a cup of chamomile tea, light a candle, put on some ambient music, take a bath, get some essential oils and smell them. You know, there's a lot of things we do that really can shift our mood. And it goes into the area of self-care, goes into the area of wellness, do you know? And I think sometimes we get so taken over by those thoughts, Linda, that you talk about that we don't know how to shift gears so readily. And we do need to move the energy. We need, we need to change the inner dialogue, the inner narrative, the inner story that sometimes keeps us trapped, you know, and I want people to know they don't need to stay there. You know, it's not, you're not a prisoner to those thoughts that keep you stuck in the past or anxiously anticipating the future. 
you can really change it up in the present. Isn't that crazy? Because we do often feel stuck. Like you said, a prisoner, that's such a great analogy because it can feel like a prison, but we have the key, right? So I might be in a prison, but I have the key to open the door if I'm, if I'm ready and if I'm willing. And I love some of these things that you brought in that use our senses, like smelling an essential oil or taking a bath or listening to music and bringing in some of those sensory experiences because I can only smell something right here and right now. I can only touch something right here and right now. I can only listen, you know, to music right here, right now. And so those kinds of things I think can help, would help me be able to be more in the present. So I love all of those suggestions. Now, as we're talking about thoughts, because, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to fix here. What if I have self-limiting beliefs? Is there some way to kind of get rid of those and get past them? Absolutely. I mean, look, I think that part of the human condition, meaning part of our behaviors, whether they're behaviors that have been learned or their cultural behaviors or their what, however that is that makes us human beings, you know, we have, you know, we coming from hunters and gatherers, we have the natural tendency to keep our survival intact. You know, we also have something called the inner critic. There's just things that are just part of being a human being, you know, and again, practice compassion and self-love and understanding that you might slip into a very strong inner dialogue of criticism. So mindfulness is, again, is the awareness of when the inner critic is active or when we just don't feel like we're enough. And pay attention to the thoughts that support that. Do you know, because a lot of the times it becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. You're telling yourself something and then when you get good at catching it, Even something that people do sometimes, not because they really think they're an idiot, but think about what people are quick to say about themselves when they do something wrong. Oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I'm such an idiot. You know, oh, I'm such a loser. Do you know? I mean, we're so quick to throw ourselves under the bus. Do you know? And so that awareness, Linda, really helps us understand that the thoughts that we allow to occupy our mind, we can pick and choose. And when we have an awareness of a self-deprecating thought or our inner critic is really, you know, raging, where again, mindfulness helps us is to have an awareness of when it's starting to really go out of hand. And that at any given moment, we can change it by something, like I said, something like the release and replace technique, you know, just changing out the negative thought to a positive one or to be aware when you're slipping into these negative patterns. Do you know? We're all susceptible to that. You just want to nip it in the bud. And the more you have an awareness of it, the more you can really work with it and change it. I love that. I think you're so right that we have to be aware before we can change. And as you're talking about these thoughts that come into our minds and the things we say to ourselves, I was thinking of a friend who recently said she was going to try a new job, something different that she hadn't done before. And the immediate thought that popped into her head is, you can't do that. You know, you'll never succeed at that. You don't know what you're doing. And this voice is going on and on. And she stopped and she said, where is that coming from? Where, Where do I hear that? What's the source? And she said, I could hear my mother, my mother saying, you know, you can't do that. And she says, I'm 40 years old and I'm still hearing the voice of my mom as if I'm a little girl. And we don't know, I don't know what the circumstances were where she heard that initial thing. I mean, it might've been like 
I want to drive the car and I'm eight years old and you really can't do that. But, but for whatever reason, that was the, that was the narrative that went into our mind. And so I think if we can become aware, then we can go through this process, like you're talking about release and maybe even say something like, you know, have this inner dialogue with your mom who's already in your head saying, you know, I have been honoring you by trying to not stretch and not reach, but I, I'm going to choose now to honor you by being my authentic self. I'm going to honor you by living joyfully or whatever, but well, to, to kind of address first, I want to really jump into that. Because yes, please. That very exciting because first of all, it's wonderful that she was able to connect the dots. Going back to my first book, Says Who, How One Simple Question Can Change the Way You Think Forever. It's seven questions to ask yourself when a negative or fear-based thought comes up. The second question of the says who method is, have I heard someone say this thought before? And having worked with so many people over the years as a life coach, what would come up in a lot of my sessions with people when they would say something to themselves, when we explored it deeply, and when we went into the second question of the method, have I heard someone say this thought before? So many people would have an aha moment, like, oh my God, my mother used to say that. Oh my God, my father used to say that. My brother used to say that. The bully on the schoolyard said that to me. A teacher said that to me. It is so helpful to connect to where those thoughts come from and how wonderful for your friend to be able to identify where it came from. Because most people don't even do that. They don't even really, first of all, they don't ask themselves questions. They don't ask themselves like, where did that thought come from? And I'm here to tell you, questioning your thoughts is key. The method that I created, which happens to be the says who method is really there to help people question their thoughts, to find out if they're even real or not, to find out if it's been really um, influenced by somebody out of your past, even going back to childhood. You know, a lot of the times we carry these thoughts, which turn into our core beliefs that go way back to childhood that we carry into adulthood. And until you question them, they can stay very stuck and be a part of your core beliefs about how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. And I love the thought of questioning your thoughts. I think our natural go-to is to question ourselves, to say, am I good enough? Am I enough? Have I done this? Have I done that? Rather than questioning those thoughts that are running through my head and asking those questions of, where did that come from? Where have I heard that before? So how lovely that we can question the thoughts rather than questioning ourselves all the time. Exactly. And I've had so many people, especially with the says who method, which is this cognitive questioning method, literally say to me, oh my God, I never thought to question my thoughts before. It, it's not even a concept that they've ever wrapped their head around, literally. The whole notion of questioning your own thoughts. I mean, of course you should question your thoughts. It's not like there's a little person in there forcing you to think those thoughts. You have to challenge your own thinking mind, you know, to say, why am I even thinking this thought? Is it helping me? You know, some of the says, because you're, you're, uh, what you're presenting here today really does bring up my first book says who, and that is the, the questioning of, have I heard this thought said by somebody else before? Do I like this thought? Does this thought work for me? Those are part of the says who question of the says who method. We never even ask ourselves, do I like that thought? You know, I really don't like that thought. So why am I thinking it? 
you know, does that thought work for me? Actually, it really doesn't work for me. So let me replace it with a thought that does work favorably for me. These are concepts that are so removed from our day in, day out lives. We don't even think to question those thoughts, to question them, to challenge them and to replace them. Yes. And to replace them. I, again, as we're talking about this idea, this, what, what comes naturally, if, if we're not thinking, if we're running on autopilot, we don't think to question our thoughts and we don't even think, oh, I can change that thought. I can replace it. I can put something else in there. We just think that, you know, we're, we're just, they just go through and we have no control or no say. They just come and that denies that we are part of the creation of ourselves, of, of who we are and who we want to be. It kind of puts us in a sort of a, a victim mentality where we're okay. sort of a, you know, a, a paper bag or a plastic bag blown in the wind instead yeah. of we are a creator of our ourselves and who we want to be, which exactly. is very empowering. But for some people, it's also very frightening because they like, I mean, we're used to having someone else tell us and to have someone else. And so to be able to say, no, I'm in charge of me takes, you know, having some courage. Yes, it does. And if you really want to change, you need to change your thoughts. And some people are very used to, familiar with, and attached to some of those thoughts that have not served their well-being at all. So that's a personal conversation you have to have with yourself like are you really ready to change those thoughts that do not work for you they don't support your well-being do you know some people have grown very accustomed to thinking those negative thoughts and it's quite a challenging concept even perhaps a frightening concept to imagine letting those thoughts go because you know when you present that to somebody are you okay with suddenly feeling more acceptance and more self-love and more forgiveness and maybe even have more positive thoughts than negative thoughts? Change can make people feel nervous, but the only way we grow and evolve is our willingness to change. Absolutely. And I think no one can heal without their consent and no one can change without their consent. We have to be on board with this. And if our core identity is, let's say I, I am a victim or I am a whatever, in order to be able to change that core belief, I have to agree to that and say, I choose to be in charge of me. I, I choose this. So super important. And then to change that identity, there's a quote from the book of um, Atomic Habits by James Clear that I just love. He said, the most practical way to change who we are is to change what we do. And as we're talking about these mindfulness practices and replacing those thoughts, this is something that we can do that can help change our identity into someone that we like. Absolutely. And having a mindful awareness of the type of thoughts that we have in the moment. You know, is this really supporting my well-being? Is this thought constructive? Is it productive? Is it raising my awareness? Is it raising my consciousness? Do you know, does this thought really help bring out the best of who I am? Do you know, these are all a positive way to support the authentic self. Do you know? And, and isn't not that to wonderful? really give into these old thinking habits, which a lot of those are old thinking habits that just do not serve our well-being. Oh, and how beautiful to have a goal of being authentic and joyful. I love it. 
Um, is there anything that you want to make sure that we cover today before we close, Aura? Wow, I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank I you. I think it's, I think, you know, we covered a lot. I will say, speaking of mindfulness, I do have a workshop coming up at the Omega Institute in upstate New York with Dr. Ron Alexander, who is a also a mindfulness uh, teacher and an author, and it's going to be October 23rd to the 28th. So I just wanted to share that with your oh, listeners. Thank you so much. And can they get information for that for on your website? Yes, they can. And they can also go to the Omega Institute. Perfect. Um, in upstate New York to get more information. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Buddhist monk Bhante G. He said, mindfulness gives you time. Time gives you choices. Choices, skillfully made, lead to freedom. Today, I invite you to embrace the freedom that comes from increasing mindfulness. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.